Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2021. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. Lily, she, her. Lily, um, should we refer to you with your title also, Fire Princess? The Fire Princess? Yeah, Fire Princess Lily, that's, that's my handle. <laughs> <laughs> or nice. on more of a casual basis here. <laughs> whatever everybody feels most comfortable with i'm cool either way with uh right. your flame highness <laughs> <laughs> that's the right term of address there uh-huh. we go sounds right to me lily thank you so much for coming on to the podcast as i've been doing quite a bit lately i cold called someone to come on and discuss a specific subject matter and you were gracious enough to agree yeah, it seemed interesting. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how interesting it became, or <laughs> in what ways it became okay. interesting. Um, we should probably also acknowledge that your partner Viv was supposed to be on, but unfortunately could not make it tonight. Yeah, um, unfortunately, Viv uh, just has a lot of like just medical stuff that happens um, all her life, and so sometimes it just pops up. And she still wanted somebody to come on and record with y'all instead of pushing it back <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens, I yeah. Fan fiction from 1996 can't be the first priority in most people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, we expect you to prioritize fan fiction over your health. <laughs> <laughs> How dare she? <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, things happen, and we're happy to have you, Lily, so. Um, Absolutely. If you ever think of something that Viv would definitely have wanted to say, feel free to speak on her behalf, and no one will know the difference. Endeavor to do so. <laughs> um, so what are we talking about today, Amato? Well, Lily, I asked you on specifically because we are talking about a Ronma one-half fanfiction. It's been a little while since we did that. And you, I understand participate in or co-host a Ronmo One Half podcast, which you bill as the best and only Ronmo One Half podcast on the internet, which definitely seems to be the case from the research that I was doing. I looked before I made the claim and we are the best by virtue of being the only one. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of your podcast, Lily? It is One Half Podcast, even though I sometimes say podcast one half, but One Half Podcast is the (laughs) correct name. Nice. And where can we access that? Find that podcast on any uh, place that you would normally find your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. But we are specifically on abnormalmapping.com. Like, they're gracious enough to host us, and we always appreciate it, and I always like plugging them and their stuff. Cool. Now, given that you do a Ronmo and Half podcast... I'm going to make the leap and assume that you have some sort of background with Ronma One Half. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I didn't, I have shamefully, as a trans person, never finished uh, Ronma One Half, which feels like a cardinal sin. I'm not sure it's the most trans friendly series, honestly. I was about I, to say that. <laughs> it's not, but a lot of, I know that a lot of trans people, myself included, have watched some of it when they were younger and, got 
all those feelings. The, the deep feelings. It's um, interesting. Like, specifically, me and Viv both are like, why is Rama complaining about having to be a girl? <laughs> Seems like that's, a issue. That's how, how I always felt about it is like, you know, I think I first saw Rama when I was like, 12 and I was always just like there's something that feels like appeals about this but something that feels wrong right like yes. there's no reason that Rama should have such an issue with this like it should be such a problem and I do like something that happens in this fanfic is Rama talks about ways in which he's become comfortable with existing as a girl or she has we'll talk about how this fanfic uses pronouns I guess but I, that is the part about the series that is appealing is when Rob is like a girl and like, yep, I'm cool with it. <laughs> so you had seen a little bit in the past and what led you to want to kind of revisit it in podcast format? I think I was listening to um, a podcast uh, when they were still um, a, what, what were they calling themselves? Because they've changed titles several times within the past year. It was a totally spies podcast. I just forget which one. Um, and they were talking about things they wanted to do after their totally spies podcast. And I was listening and one of them mentioned Rama and the other two shot it down. And I was like, Oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could host a, a podcast about Rama and rewatching it the same way that this, this is kind of recorded. This should be fun and easy. And it has been fun. With the year being on fire, it hasn't been as easy as I thought it would be. But mm-hmm. yeah, we live in Portland, Oregon, so the year was literally on fire for a while there. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's been a bit of a challenge for us too. Like we used to all gather in the same room to talk about stuff, and now we're all in different spaces. And there's dogs and children, and you know, God knows what else interrupting our lives. Well. It's been a long time since we talked about Ranmo and Half on this podcast, um, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, just to kind of let you know where I'm coming from, Lily, you are on your podcast are now farther than I ever got in the anime. You got the oh, shampoo wow. episode. I don't, I don't think I ever saw that. I saw like the first few episodes, like as a young anime geek and, you know, got hooked. But then it's all right. the manga for me. Like I read the whole manga. And, oh, and I saw, like, the OAVs and the movies, because those were, like, easy to get from Blockbuster, I guess, back in the day. Right. Um, but, like, in terms of the anime, I've, I've pretty much seen hardly any of it. I think from when I was younger, I saw a, a big chunk of the first season, and then one of the movies that a friend brought over at one of our very lame geek parties. Just- well, that's appropriate, because both of the movies are really lame. <laughs> the movie was not good. Um, Terrible. I can't even remember completely what it was about. But um, <laughs> well, was it the one with the seven lucky gods eating pickles, or was it the one where everyone's breasts bounce a whole lot? It was the one where they destroyed the um, the the spring, the water that actually fills Jasenko. Like they destroyed Wait, the spring that that. Uh, Takes the water to just think. I think. I think I'm, that's I'm the end of the manga, from, but like, I didn't think there was a movie of that. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, like I said, I, I'm working with, this was like back in 2002. Right. I'm old. Um, so, 
I'm trying to dredge up memories from a pretty boring night otherwise. Okay. <laughs> uh, Not important. Yeah, I mean, y'all have me beat because I, I remember a friend, like, yeah, about when I was 12, showing me some VHS tapes of Ranma. Me being like, well, this, you know, this has its appeal, it's it's fun. Eventually, I got around to reading some of the manga, but, like, not a lot. Like, I just basically know enough to know what the tone is and who the characters are. So y'all can help me out with some of this fanfic, I believe. <laughs> we'll do our best. Yes. And speaking of the fanfic, I, you know, poked around for Run One Half fanfiction. And it's a relatively easy, you know, area to mine because it was big in the mid-late 90s. And it was big enough that it had not one, but two fanfiction awards that went on for many years. And this fanfic I landed on because it seemed like a reasonable length, and it also was highly critically acclaimed by the, you know, non-professional critics of Ron One Half fanfiction in 1996. I'm looking at the Ranma fanfic of the year, which was a series of posts by Tailswapper, and this fanfic, which is titled Thy Inward Love by Robert by Richard Lawson. Um, it was nominated, Tailswapper had to be one of the best fics from the fourth quarter of 1996, as well as at the end of the year in the overall 1996 category. And it just flat out came out number one for 1996 from the TASS Awards, which is the Tucson Animation Screening Society Fanfiction mm-hmm. Awards. Uh, so I thought, yeah, let's give that a shot. And, you know, one thing that I, I want to ask before we actually talk about this fanfic is, Lily, have you ever read any piece of Ronmo and Half fanfiction before this? You know, you think I would have. The only fanfiction that I really got into for a, for a while was Tenchi Muyo fanfiction, and that was <laughs> all bad. Yeah. Not a good yeah. one. It's like a cousin of Ronmo and Half fanfiction, though, honestly. Yes. Yeah, they're totally very similar. Huh. Well, I've definitely read really good Ranma and Half fanfiction. We can talk about what we think of this story as we go into it, I suppose. So we're looking at Thy Inward Love, once again. It's by Richard Lawson. I don't... I haven't found it actively hosted online, but you can just use the Wayback Machine like you can for a whole lot of things to go to Richard Lawson's old... Um, you know, personal website hosting fanfiction. And I will provide a link there in the show notes, of course. This is kind of like a long novella-length series following up from a couple of short one-shots that the author wrote. And I just like to throw out there, this is 1996, so it was still the era where people were publishing fanfiction just flat out under their real names instead of by some kind of internet handle. Because why not? It's not like people are going to be talking about this 25 years from now. <laughs> Joke's on them. I know. Sorry, Richard Lawson. Well, in the 90s, and it feel shame. Mm. <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, anyway, there's a couple of shorts that it follows from, but basically, it is... Uh, it's a post-series continuation, and by post-series, I mean post-manga. Right, because the anime doesn't uh, finish where the manga finishes, if I'm not mistaken. The anime really has a conclusion, and you know the the manga has a conclusion, but it's a very Takahashi conclusion where she's like, "Oh, but actually, I didn't change the status quo at all." Jokes on you. 
<laughs> no. What is the <laughs> conclusion of the manga? There's a final big adventure arc, which involves, um, you know, the spring that flows into the Jusenkyo Springs and mm-hmm. a phoenix god and, you know, like, there's some cool action. And at one point, Ryoga gets to, like, blast Ranma way up a mountain by using the Shishio Koden, and that's all I remember. Um, and <laughs> then there's, like, a final chapter where Ranma and Akane are going to get married, pressured into it by their parents. And then everybody shows up to wreck the wedding and they're not able to get married. And that's just how it ends. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You remember we read that other post-series continuation, you know, as like mm-hmm. our beta thing. And, yeah. you know, Ukyo got to angst, like have a, a, a brief moment of feeling bad about like throwing bombs at Ranma and Akane's wedding. Like that's, that's where that was from. Interesting. Um, <laughs> so I guess theoretically then you could write a Ranma fan fiction set almost any point in the series and the characters would be almost exactly in the same emotional place, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. I, like, the characters yeah. don't change. It's just, like, what characters are around. And so, right. like, the presence in this fanfic of characters like uh, Konatsu and Akari points it later in the manga and, and like, Ranma's mom. But, mm-hmm. like, that's about it. You know, Kodachi is Kodachi no matter where you are in the series. Like, you know, shampoo is shampoo at any point except, you know, whether or not Cologne and Moose are around. That's it. Which is interesting because I feel like that's exactly what this fanfic author like was concerned with in the sense that they wanted the characters to change. Um, yeah, my summary of this fanfic is every single Ranma character decides they need to become a better person or they get murdered by angry ghosts. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I mean, only one well, one of them gets murdered by angry ghosts. And uh, spoiler, no, that's it's the only- uh, it's Cologne, so... <laughs> yeah, she's the only one who doesn't try to become a better person. Except Haposai, who does yeah. not appear. Oh. All the better for that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure anyone could sell me on the Haposai tries to become a better person story arc. No. And, and but, if I'm going to be completely honest, a lot of the reason I never got very into Ranma was characters like Haposai. Like, both, like, the kind of, I don't know, the treatment of gender, which was super like uh biologically essentialist which doesn't always bother me but because like, obviously they didn't have the understanding to do otherwise but like having the gag of like old man spies on girls and steals underwear it was just like a little too much for me Let, let's dive into the content a little bit now lily you confessed to us earlier that you only got two chapters into this fanfic before you had to stop well i you think I would with all the t- with how we pushed it back a couple of times. You think I would have had plenty of time to finish it, but the last week has just been crazy. So I sat down to finish it to get through it today, and I had like a solid five hours from when I woke up to when we started recording to do that. And then my house got uh, crazy, and so I got th- I was reading, I was reading, and I was tr- having trouble because there's just the way. And Mr. Law, um, Lawson writes does not appeal to my brain. Like mm. it's how do I say? Um, I got two. I got two sentences in. Uh, three sentences in, and the third sentence of this is he patted his chest instinctively. One could never be too sure what gender was in the morning, and my brain went mm, no. Yeah. So I, I pushed through as much as I could while trying to 
take care of crazy animals and order pizza for my wife and all the other stuff that I do during throughout my day. And um, I just, I could only get through two because well, that that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that like, I wanted you to apologize for it. What I did mean is that I am going to make you describe how the fanfic starts. Ah, well, it starts with uh, Rama waking up and questioning their gender by grabbing their chest. And it just, I did, and, and then insult, and insulting Nabiki and not understanding why she's upset. And like, it's typical Rama behavior to a point, but I also feel like it's a exaggerated, just, just a smidge. Like, oh, he's, He's a he's callous, sure, but I don't know. Here's how I see it, and like sure. Tori and I have talked about this before. And sorry, sorry, Tori, I just totally stamped over I you. I know. Go ahead. I I think so. It starts off, yeah. Rama has a bad day. He wakes up. Um, yeah, he gets in a fight with his dad at one point, and like you know, comes like almost hits him with like a powerful blow, and he's like you know defenseless and like kind of gets chewed out for it gently with Akane, which like you could you could really hurt him there, you know? You gotta be actually really yeah, careful. You like you're him. usually not. And yeah, he insults Nabiki by implying like she's only motivated by greed and she's like genuinely emotionally hurt by it. All that kind of stuff. And I feel like the things Ranma does are perfectly in character for Ranma. His problem here in this fanfic is what the Ranma characters usually have a problem with in fanfiction, which is that the tone of his world has suddenly changed. Mm. He is no longer in a gag manga. Yes. Oh my and so god. Suddenly, ag suddenly actions have consequences and people have feelings that are not, you know, that can be hurt in more subtle ways. Not, not that Ronald characters don't have feelings in the canon. I just mean, like, you know, the consequences for things have suddenly become much more, like, real, quote unquote, compared to the normal tone of the series. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what my brain was. It's weird. Like, yeah, I definitely yeah. think we should address this up front because, like, it's immediately this is a drama and not a gag based comedy. So, like, anytime something happens that's supposed to be like a little bit silly, they even reflect at one point about how, like, I guess at some point in the series, like, uh, can't remember exactly what it was, but like, his mother was supposed to like kill him and his father that kill herself if he didn't like quote unquote become a man. And yes. they, I understand that that in the, in the manga, like in the anime was probably supposed to be a funny reference, right. To like, kind of like a samurai culture. Like it wasn't meant to be like a tonally serious thing. It was actually supposed to be a humor in reference to something sort of dark, but in this, it reads completely dark. <laughs> And so it's very difficult to parse. And again, yeah, like part of the reason, you know, I didn't get into Ranmo and half at first when I was younger is I was like, I did take the characters kind of seriously. And I was like, well, they're all kind of jerks and I can't like these people. And now like looking at it as an adult, I'm like, oh, the gag is that they're kind of jerks. Like I get it. Like it's supposed to be parody, but this author turns something that is a parody back into something serious without changing the characters in a way, at least at first. So you just have to look at it like very starkly, like, yes, they are all jerks, you know? <laughs> and it's difficult, it's difficult <laughs> to read. You say this author, and that's true, 
but also this was a very common thing back in you know the Ron one half right. fan fiction writing scene uh, in the nineties. Yeah, the same it's, thing it's, with the other one we read. Yeah, <laughs> very few people wrote it in the original tone, and partially that's because it's really hard to write something in the original Ronmo one half tone, especially in prose, because like a lot of it is about you know visual gags and action gags and you know like. And it, a sort of humor that it's hard to replicate, I feel like. Mm. And so you get a lot of dramas and you get the occasional like kind of supernatural thriller or adventure story. And usually it, it's all like a little bit more serious. It was kind of part of the culture, I think. Yeah, which makes me wonder, and I guess since we're talking about this now, it's a good time to talk about it as any is. Did people at the time latch onto these characters as very like serious? Did they see themselves as these characters? Like, was that part of the appeal of Ranma? Because to me, the only re way I can parse it is to look at it as what it is, is like gag based. <laughs> and then I'm sort of like, well, the gags sometimes fall flat to me, I guess. Like, not that I dislike the series in general, but I don't know. It seems like people latched onto the characters as if they were more than participants in a comedy, a gag comedy. <laughs> I think like with anything, we sort of, as people, just um, sort of imprint ourselves onto characters, even if they, and, and feel um, deeper about them than they actually are. Like, I don't necessarily, or have never, really imprinted myself on, on who we call Boy-Rama, but Girl-Rama, uh, exact same character, I'm like, yeah, I could see myself in Girl-Rama, but it's the exact same character. I'm just like, I'm just more more appealed by that character and um and akane i i feel like akane gets the short end of the stick in that anime a lot yeah i think that's true <laughs> uh i also understand that and i think the idea of girl ranma is a really interesting one because you say that like yes it is supposed to be the same character but it does feel like you know, Takahashi both and the anime creators had the same gendered lens bias in which because Ranma was, you know, quote unquote, a girl, as they would phrase it, like, you know, it's just a shift in the body. But for them, mm -hmm. like, it's a girl now. He, he, she, they are a girl now. Um, it was as if Ranma girl was a different character than Ranma boy. <laughs> Uh, I think the creators kind of made it that way. And that's a really interesting thing to look at. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. That's how it was marketed to some extent. Um, but yeah, coming back to the, the fanfic, it's like, to begin with, just sort of like, these things going wrong for Ranma also is kind of subconsciously bothering him and making him like fight, you know, less effectively, that sort of thing. And so he, he goes to his dad for advice, which... I don't know if that's a good idea under any particular circumstances, honestly, but you know, that's, no. that was his move here. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it becomes a whole conversation that involves his mom also. And it's, she, she kind of, it's, it's part of this series of things that the author does of like kind of grounding people's behavior in the series in kind of like, what were your actual motivations here? Cause if, if they were as, they were presented, then you're insane. Um, and so, like, Notica saying that, like, I was not actually going to murder anybody for not being manly enough. It was, but I was, like, sending him off 
sending Genma off with Ranma, like partially so that he could grow up and like become a responsible parent and adult because he needed that because he's a, a dumb child. I mean, Genma is a dumb child. Yeah. But I like her calling out the idea that like becoming a panda must have been a relief for him because it meant he could escape responsibility anytime he wanted by, you know, dumping himself in water and just being a panda, which is right. pretty textual, yeah. honestly. <laughs> That's one of the nice things the author does is like give us that read where it gives the characters like emotional motivations that we can understand and like make their character flaws into something relatable rather than just like, ah, uh, yes, Ed he becomes a panda and is uh, neglectful or something, you know, it like gives an explanation that makes them human, I guess. And right. redeemable. <laughs> and so Ranma, you know, ends the chapter kind of like, re like thinking about his behavior and, you know, resolved to, among other things, kind of treat other people with basic respect and decency. That is like a paraphrase of, you know, one of the actual phrases here. Which for Ranma would be, you know, rather extensive character development. Um, Just a tad. <laughs> yeah. But that also leads into the chapter two, which sort of sets up the other main thing, or kind of like the main action of the fanfic, which is that he sits down and like has an actual conversation with Akane about their feelings. Um, and what did you two think? Because we've all we've all read through two. What do you think of kind of the portrayal of the Ranma Akane relationship here. I'm um, now on on my podcast. We often say if Ranma would just sit down with Akane and discuss <laughs> his feelings, half of these issues would not exist. Of course, that's not the point of the anime. But uh, so I do like I do like Ranma coming and with to Akane with his problems and her sitting and listening like. It feels it feels good, and it feels good until the until the kiss thing. But I feel like I guess the author felt that that was the only way um, that Akane could get Rama to open up uh, completely or agree with her. So yeah, sit, sitcom syndrome. Um, reading the chat. Sorry, I probably shouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, uh, no, that that's that's how. That's how it's presented, yeah. I do agree. I like, I like the first part of it because it's, it's not done easily. It's like really hard for Rama just to enter the room and try to talk, and he's not an articulate person. And Akane also has to like make a very conscious effort to be patient with him, knowing that he's trying really hard, even though he's being kind of like frustrating. Because if she, she knows that like, if she shuts him down here, like he, it's gonna, he's not going to be able to open up again in the future. And I thought all that was well done. The kiss part you're talking about here is that in the end, he's like, oh, you know, I, I don't do nothing but hurt people. My life ain't worth nothing. He's feeling really, really down. That like basically right. just punches people a lot and hurts people's feelings, which is accurate. Um, yes. And her response is after, you know, a long internal thing is like, and, you know, reflecting on her own past and like her difficulties when her mother died and like, you know, trying to communicate about that with Kasumi and stuff. In the end, she just kisses him instead of using words. And it's like, you, you wish perhaps that she could have commuted. And then she says, you know, you're important to me. Right. And it's presented as kind of needing, like that was the best way she had to communicate. But it's also a little bit non-consensual, a little bit like unclear in terms of communication. 
It's also like, hasn't Ranma just like done a lot of like insulting Akane? Like I know they're like, they're kids and not very, uh, at least Ranma is not very emotionally well developed, but like, I almost feel like Akane should be like, hey, all the times you called me offensive names, we should call that into question before we start making out. I don't know. <laughs> he does preemptively apologize for that in his list of things that he does that are shitty, at least. It's That's not true. like yeah. not addressed. It is addressed, yeah. I just, I I don't know. I almost feel like more needs to be done between these characters. And, and I am not as familiar with Ranma, but like it almost feels like more needs to be repaired between them before it turns into a romance. Like maybe they should be friends first because they don't really seem like friends to start with. And maybe that's just my bad not understanding of the series, but I don't know. Well, I think you're right that the author's not, is laying groundwork here, but the point of the fanfic is not really for this relationship to develop. They're sort of taking that like after these 38 chapters of manga or whatever, we like all see that they care about each other and now they've actually admitted it and now we can move on to some other action in the fanfic. That's the um, point is, yeah, the author does seem to be driving towards more fight scenes. Well, I mean, I would say more, yeah, fights do happen, but it's more about like emotional confrontations and people becoming conscious of their behavior, mostly. Um, and one of yeah. the things that does, that, Ron, that Akai does come up at the end of this is like, uh, look, maybe you should actually try to do something about Shampoo and Ukyo and Kodachi instead of just being like, hey, it wouldn't be crazy. <laughs> Which was more or less his stance for the series, I feel like. Yeah. But we haven't gotten to the part where it gets explained in the anime, but I did, but I always read ahead on things. And it's just weird to me that Gemma's was like, yeah, I'm just going to promise my son to a bunch of people. That, ma that makes sense. <laughs> well, Ukyo is the only fiance that came from that. But it's oh, okay. supposed to just be, like, this hilariously shitty thing for him to do. Like, and I mean, it's it's really funny in the manga when you, like, end up learning that backstory. But it's funny because it's just, like, the worst. And yeah. it's, you know, the, the Ranma characters being, like, terrible, terrible people. Um, and, I, yeah, you know, there might be another fiancé or two in the anime who, like, show up for an episode from similar means. I don't actually know. Uh, but speaking of Ranma characters doing shitty things, like the rest of the Tendo household, you know, has listened in on a wiretap that Nabiki has for this conversation. So everybody knows what's All going right. on now. And it's, Is that it's just something she does? Like, spies no, I on mean, people? I don't, I don't feel like that's something she normally does. I don't, she, takes, she takes pictures of people without their consent all the time. Yeah, but like I, that's for money, though. Right. I, where's the profit here? Was someone paying her? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember that, but again, I'm not as familiar, but, but all right. <laughs> I, mean, I believe she has a wiretap. Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, probably. Yeah. But as far as I've seen in the anime and what I've read in the manga, um, she's, she is all about that bread and what, whatever <laughs> she can do to get it. So Yeah. In this fanfic, one of the prequel fanfics was the Nabiki realizing maybe she should be a slightly better person. And that was, that was oh. called the right side of the ledger. Um, and so, like, in this, in this continuity, that has been addressed a little bit. But I see. Okay. My favorite Nabiki stories in the manga are just her being completely terrible and cutthroat mercenary. That's <laughs> when she's at her best. There's a good one where she convinces Akane to transfer her engagement to Ranma over to her, Nabiki. 
and then she starts renting out the rights to you know spend time with Radma to the other suitors, that sort of thing. <laughs> Wait, and, oh, to the other girl suitors? Yeah, like like yeah. if oh, okay. Fuku pays her, if Fuku or Shampoo pay her some money, like she'll rent out <laughs> spending time with Radma, oh which she gosh. decides she has the right to do as his fiance. And um, and then my other favorite Nabiki story is one where she gets into a martial arts contest with someone who is martial arts skipping out on the bill, basically. And so they're out on an extended date where the person who wins is the one who can make the other person pay for anything on the date. <laughs> See, that's that's the funny part of Radba, right? Like these these gags that are martial arts focused, but like if you actually treated these people as real people, uh, their actions wouldn't be very forgivable. <laughs> uh, that's the tonal rectification that you have to come with here. And like even Radba, like confronting Nabiki is like, you spied on us, you shouldn't do that, but also I'm going to spy with you, but never spy on me again. <laughs> You're just like, it feels morally confusing in a way that like, <laughs> you know, the the manga doesn't, I, I think, because you're not supposed to consider the morality. You're supposed to consider the humor, I suppose. Mostly, I think. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. And so that leads us into kind of the main part of the, the story, which is mostly them kind of needing to deal with the other insane, obsessive people in Ranma's life in order to, like, be able to be together in peace and in order to, like, actually take a shot at resolving problems instead of just letting problems continue. Um, and since you haven't read any of those, Lily, I don't know how deep we should delve into each of them. Um, and uh, I'm afraid they also, a lot of them deal with characters you have not refreshed yourself on. <laughs> like part three um, is the Ukiyo chapter. Yeah, I have, we haven't got to Ukiyo yet. A lot of people in, in the Rama fam fandom seem to like her a lot. She, there were a few shipping wars between the uh, Akane Rama shippers and the Ukiyo Rama oh, shippers. I bet. Oh I my think goodness. Anyone attempting to ship Shampoo and Ranma or Kodachi and Ranma, I think we're in a tiny minority. I couldn't imagine shipping Kodachi with Ranma. She is so... <laughs> she's a lot. Um... <laughs> but the thing about I... Ukiyo is that she's essentially pretty friendly and decent. You know... Mostly. Right. And so it's well, a lot easier to be like, well, clearly she and Ranma would be way better than Akane and Ranma, or whatever. Ma, ma, ma. Right. Standard shipping war procedures. And in the other fanfic we read in our like beta run of this podcast, Ukiyo was also a central figure. So it definitely seems like people like empathized with her as like being a quote unquote like normal person, I guess, despite her giant spatulas, uh, but... <laughs> right. So like I said, there's sort of a chapter for a, a character at a time until we get to kind of a longer uh, Chinese Amazon arc. One thing I like about the Ukyo chapter is that like they have a little strategy session first, you know, with, with Genma about how they're going to approach Ukyo. And, you know... And I feel like Genma's, she'll be the easiest. Yeah. And Gen was like, well, why would Luffy the easiest? It's like, well, she relies on a weapon. And so, like, you know her range. You know, like, kind of how she's going to be attacking you. You can beat her. And Ron was like, I don't think she's going to, like, it's not going to come down to a fight. And Gen was like, it's totally going to come down to a fight. <laughs> and it comes yeah. down to a fight. Yeah. 
it's funny how that's phrased though, because it's like, it's a strange thing. It's like Genma saying like, because she relies on her weapons, she's, she's a limited fighter and you'll be able to beat her easier. And I just don't think that's actually true because when it comes down to a fist fight versus weapons, the weapons are probably going to win, but okay. <laughs> she does have a large spatula and small throwing spatulas. So, you know, she's got different ranges down, right? Yeah. I, I thought, just thought it was a strange way to put it, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think in the third Ronma one half fighting game for the Super Nintendo, I won at least a couple of fights by spatula spam. <laughs> as you could, as you easily could. Like, <laughs> a weapon beats fists almost, like, most of the time. Almost all of the time. But I guess maybe not in Ronma World, where they can shoot energy blasts too. I, I don't know, some things. Uh... Yeah, I mean, among other things. Among other things. Yeah, anyway. Um, anyway... Yeah, they go to talk to Ukyo, like, at her restaurant, and it comes down to a fight. And, of course. like, to summarize, um, well, I, actually, you know, Lily, maybe I should make you make little predictions about how someone will realize they need to be a better person. How do you think Ukyo would realize she needs to be a better person? Well? A way to put her on the spot, am I? Yeah, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, because I was... Yeah, you barely remember. I, actually, you know, that's not fair. Well, I'll save that for Ryoga. Or someone. Oh, gosh. How could Ryoga <laughs> become a better person? I can only think. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was trying to read as much as I could through, like, the third chapter while we were on break. I didn't get very far. And so... It seems like, from as fast as I could read and kind of skim, is like she could realize that her obsession with Rama gets in the way of her other potential uh, friendships and relationships and her business. Maybe that would be a good idea if it was kind of like about look, your life is kind of like this little stuck thing, and you know you have other things important to you. Uh, that's not really the direction they go, though. Oh. <laughs> Instead... <laughs> but, but I like that idea. Instead, when she lashes out at Ronma and, like, they get into a fight in her restaurant and she throws them throwing spatulas, she hits Akane with one of them. So it's kind of like shades of Ryoga accidentally cutting Akane's hair that, like, derails the first big Ronma-Ryoga fight in the mm. anime. Except with more blood. <laughs> oh, no. Um, trip to the hospital... Right. Which, did and you ever see someone rush to the hospital in Ranma? Not the yet. The named Dr. Tofu, and he disappears shortly into the oh, series. right. So no. Oh, yeah. But, but, <laughs> because he's super, super boring. She actually goes to a real hospital, right? Um, yeah, I think so. I feel like Tofu's involved, though, isn't he? I think um, he's involved in her recovery process. But yeah, anyway, like, it, it's very serious. Like, it's, uh, Akane, uh, she meant to scare Akane because she thought Akane, Akane got her big spatula and she thought Akane was going to use her big spatula to, like, block her face, but she let it go at the last minute. And so she got hit in the face with one of the little spatulas and Rama has to, like, run her to the hospital and everybody's super freaked out in a way that's very tonally dissonant from, like, the actual Ranma series, but so is this fanfic. And it 
Right. Well, uh, but yeah. One thing I like about these chapters is that the author kind of tries to reframe characters' behavior in a way that's like a little bit more sane, or maybe just kind of like collate their motivations. Because I feel like this is all textual stuff that the author is referencing mostly. It's just that, you know, you kind of drift away from character motivations by the time Ukyo is throwing bombs at Ranma's wedding at the end of the series or whatever. But like, you know, she's she's set on Ranma both because he's the first guy who called her cute as a girl or something after her revenge plan, but also because like she's kind of got this nice guy attitude going on where like, look, I'm industrious, friendly and helpful and get along, you know, better with Ranma than any of these other suitors. So like, clearly he's got to fall in love with me. Like that, anything else wouldn't make sense. And she's the normal one. Right. And clearly he hates Akane because they fight all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Ukyo. Um, well, it is, it actually is funny. Like, I don't remember as much about Ukyo in the series. Maybe I never even got too much of her appearance. But she is kind of treated as, like, relatively delusional in this to the point, like, but not as much as the other folks, right? Like when she realizes she's heard Akane, she's mortified and right. runs to the hospital to to make amends. And that makes you instantly like empathize with her and be like, well, like, you know, she really had this idea that she would marry Ranma, but like that didn't make her a bad person. You know, she she messed up and she's instantly willing to apologize and try to make amends. The author even has her kind of sit down with her own unwanted romantic interest, Konatsu, and be like, hey, Konatsu, uh, I just want to be friends. I'm not interested in you that way. And, like, you know, the author's really trying to wrap up all these loose ends. Yeah, I actually thought that was interesting because instead of having her get together with Konatsu... Um, Which would have like, been tempting, I'm sure, if you're trying to resolve all the loose ends, right? If you as the right. author are, like, trying to fix everything, you might just pair off everybody. Well, and even I think it's Ranma who tells her, like, Okanatsu's clearly in love with you, so you should just tell them that you love them, and, or, I don't know what gender Konatsu is, but I... Konatsu is a female-presenting male-female ninja. So, male. Uh, so Uh, they... um, (laughs) 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 Uh, Anyway, instead of saying they, like, telling them that, um, you know, that she loves them. It's just like Ranma says, yes, you should. And she's just like, but I don't, so I won't. But she's got her whole restaurant and she's happy with that. So it works out for her in that sense. She doesn't have to have a pairing off. And I think that was, I don't know, like insightful of the author. It might be the most minimally insightful, but like considering where everything else was going, I'm actually sort of surprised. Oh, and I like that she renames her restaurant from Uchan's, which was her childhood nickname that Ranma gave her, to Ukyo's, which is, like, a little bit more adult and professional and, like, you know, a, a sign of, like, moving past that obsession. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel positive for her in the end, and I feel positive for her without, like, being paired off with anyone. And that's kind of nice, you know? Right. <laughs> you were talking about, you know... Ukyo being presented as like relatively less delusional and chapter four is the Kodachi chapter which is quite a thing and you know it's a thing it's a thing with these Ranma fanfic authors who are trying to take the characters seriously 
where as soon as you start to take the kunos seriously, um, oh my things God. get real dark real fast. Mm-hmm. That whole family. <laughs> yeah, it, it becomes just literally, <laughs> oh, this entire family is extraordinarily wealthy and has a history of serious mental illness. And they ran and, with that. Uh, yeah. I actually thought that was one of the best done parts because I guess something we didn't talk about in the beginning is that um, uh, Kuno... For insulting the biggie. Yeah. So they're kind of like an item now. Yeah. Kuno and Nibiki are like together. But something that. Which honestly, watching the anime, I've always felt. I've always had the feeling that Nibiki likes Kuno, just doesn't say anything. I mean, it feels like kind of like you you wouldn't think she would be talking with him as much as she does if she didn't enjoy talking with him, right? That's about as far as I think you can take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's worse bases for shipping characters. Like, I see chemistry there. And to jump, to jump around, I like the way that, like, the, um, the author takes their relationship where she's kind of reluctant to, like, you know, be that firmly going out with him at this time in her life. But it's partly because she doesn't want to be like the subsidiary, like, oh, that's like the woman who married, you know, the rich dilettante dude. She wants like him to be like the guy who married the super successful businesswoman. Like, you know, she wants to be professionally extremely successful before she like gets into serious relationship. And I was like, that seems fairly Nabiki as a motivation. I could agree with that. I mean, okay. if you're not going the, if you're not going the like kind of canon Nabiki where it's like, yes, she would marry into money at the drop of a hat, and then sleep on her piles of money, Scrooge McDuck style. <laughs> Dive into the gold coin pit. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, like, I'm not as familiar with her from the source, but I liked her in this because it was more about, you know, she was, yeah, a little money focused, but. A lot of it was more about, like, I'm going to be a successful woman who's not defined by a man that I marry. Like, she's literally like, I'm going to make a name for myself before I marry. And then another thing this author does, I guess, to jump around again later on in the fanfic is Kuno himself um, has to question how obsessed he's been with. Apparently, he was a suitor for uh, the the girl version of Ron. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, <laughs> it feels wrong because like gender, gender and Ranma is super essentialist. And I, it's like, but okay. Ranma presenting as a girl is usually interpreted as a different person by people who don't know about the curse. So like, I guess Kuno was super into that version of Ranma. Um, right. And he has to go and recognize that he, his mental health had an influence on his obsession, his family history of mental health and and his own problems had an influence on his obsession with red haired Ranma. And (laughs) I found a word Um, (laughs) and actually address that and, and develop some self-concern with like, I have an obsessive personality. Like, 
is this going to be okay? Like, can I work through this? Nabiki, are we going to be able to be together? And she supports him in that way, right? By saying like, I'm going to support you even if you have, I know, relapses in your obsessive behaviors, I'll support you. But also I'm not going to marry you right away because I'm going to make a name for myself. And I thought that was all like relatively healthy separation of identity in a relationship that also promoted mutual support. So I thought that was actually really strong in this fan fiction. Yeah, in, feel- in the anime, Kuno's basically obsessed with like almost every woman. <laughs> uh, I see. So it, like well, his whole family is obsessive in in that regards. He mostly sticks to Akane and red-haired Ranma, though, doesn't he? Like as a as an ongoing gag plot thing or whatever. I believe so. Uh, this chapter, I feel like, is pretty gripping, and like even though it sounds really like scary for like an author to try to take the Kuno family seriously, I feel like actually this is really well done. I really enjoyed this chapter. And it's not like it's a realistic portrait of mental illness, but like it expands a little bit on the characters as established and keeps a lot of tension throughout. I wish I had gotten to it. Yeah, yeah, Kuno kind of like comes along the strategy meeting for this one, and he's like, you know, he's trying to keep things together, and he's like. Okay, here's my advice for dealing with Kodachi. You need to get her to promise, like, p- put it, put this on a line and say, you will marry her if you get, an, if, if you'll have a duel, and if she wins, you will marry her, and if you win, she has to leave you alone and never, like, deal with you again. Don't leave any wiggle room in there. And then you need to beat the shit out of her so there's absolutely no doubt about who won this fight. Like, that, and there's like, no room whatsoever there. And they basically try to follow his advice, and she still finds, you know, frightening ways to evade the, like, letter of the agreement that they made. Uh-huh. To, the, to, the, to the extent that Kuno has to come intervene and kind of, like, push, like, deliberately enrage her by talking about their mother. And it's sort of presented that part of her mental state is pushing back against, like, the the honorable you know moral ways that their mother espoused because their mother died and left her alone and sort of like partially in her mind like rejection or revenge or like resentment against their mother for having left her that she is so deliberately and consistently specifically underhanded um and i mean you know the author's filling in gaps there but it's like it, it kind of I feel like it kind of fits with the character we're presented to some extent. That's a large part of what the author does is fill in gaps. Like characters that are presented as kind of superficial caricatures are given, I don't know, their emotional due, the backstory that makes sense for how their personalities developed in the way that they did. Um, And this makes sense. Like a heavy amount of trauma has existed in that family for a very long time. Oh. Yeah. I can see that. So that can inform your read the next time Kodachi, like, does something, you know, deliberately poisons someone and tries to make out with them <laughs> on the anime. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I'll keep that in mind. You can be like, she's coming from a very real emotional place here. <laughs> well, you know, actually, that's a good point to bring up, though, too. Um, I have, like, none of this makes up for like the real terrible (laughs) behaviors they actually do. It's just admirable that the author wants to give a reason, right? And it's it's like he's he's making a decent stab at all the characters, I feel like. 
like I kind of want to give him some props for that. It's like it doesn't always land very well, but like he's kind of trying to work with what he's given and kind of like give all these characters a chance to sort of like uh, develop in a way that they absolutely would never be given in the, the gag original series they're from. And it feels like, I don't know, we, we recently talked about Star Trek. It's almost like a Star Trek read of Ranma. It's like the optimistic version. Like these characters were terrible in their inception. <laughs> and of course they played for gags, so we weren't supposed to like necessarily interpret their terribleness as real, but it, were you to do so, what is the most optimistic read? How can they become better? I think that's what you said before, Abato, is like, you know, Nars uh, obsessive gag characters learn how to become better. That's <laughs> just like essentially what this is, like piece by piece, step by step. Each person Ranma fights makes their same mistakes, but then learns how to become better. It's just the Kodachi chapter is especially distressing because she like, what does she do? Essentially like hold the whole family hostage just to like get what she wants. So mm -hmm. it's. Well, it's, it's like, it, it looks like she's intending to murder them by crocodile, but then actually it seems like maybe she, that was just a fake out, but it was still a way to cheat in the fight. And, you know, she would totally like, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's normal Kodachi type stuff, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking about in the break, how she continuously uses weapons in a match where she's not supposed to use them just because she can get around the rules. Well, I think sort in that thing. fight, it is, isn't it the idea that it is legal to use anything except your fists in rhythmic gymnastics martial arts? Yes. I mean, but, she does blatantly cheat in multiple ways in that fight, but I think specifically using weapons, it's just supposed to be a joke about the, the referees who like just call everything legal. Doesn't she also use like uh, poisons a lot? Oh, all the time, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a strange, like, I feel like representation of kind of, I, she's kind of like a ninja, right? Like, she's not unlike she's a ninja. Acrobatic and using a lot of just like, I don't know, uh, underhanded tactics, I think is maybe the interpretation. I definitely remember her hiding on a ceiling in order to, you know, land down on Akane and try to murder her with a giant hammer or whatever. Right. Yeah, the and siblings. The, the siblings were nin were were ninja and samurai. <laughs> In the uh, anime, they have a ninja, I think. Later on, he's one of those yeah. anime only characters. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think I've gotten there yet. Yeah, it, they end up having like a ninja. I, I don't think he's very interesting. He's just like a little ninja guy who's like, you know, does stuff for them or whatever. Hmm. But I yeah. do think that yeah, the joke about Kodashi is like taking what a ninja is and like then using rhythmic gymnastics which like um if you compare it with artistic gymnastics is like uh i don't want to say silly i don't want my my former gymnast bias to show but like it's like a lot of twirling ribbons and bouncing balls it's not like it doesn't take skill but it's uh it's more performative than anything. So it's funny to see it as a fighting style, I guess. For sure. I mean, taking things that are in no way combat-like and turning them into martial arts is definitely like, you know, a, a lot of good Ranma source of humor. Right, right. Uh, 
But yeah, that only leaves really two kind of story arcs for the rest of the, the fanfic. And one of them's three chapters long, and then the, like the next one's kind of two chapters long, and then kind of just ends. You know, I mean, it finishes up, right? But the right. longest kind of arc here is dealing with the Amazons, I feel like, where um, Cologne kind of is to be more ruthless and like finish this off and you know uh the amazons who like won't adjust to like a less dramatically violent and you want to murder akane and once again i feel like that's a fairly good read on shampoo because like you know if she really if she really wanted to kill akane she had a million chances in the series oh she yeah she probably could that hard she oh she sure she could like um but but it, it only comes up occasionally for gag stuff. I feel like turning Cologne into a like really villainous character is something we've seen before in fan fiction once before. And I guess it kind of I, I see that tendency. I, I not tendency, I see that like how that would how that translates make sense. Yeah, how that translates, like how that's an appealing source of drama, because she's also like the most intimidating character to put up against Radma in the whole series, mm. right? Right. Um, it just makes me sad because I like Cologne. And I like Cologne <laughs> as kind of like a, I don't know, um, vaguely benevolent figure that she often mm. is in the, in the canon. Uh, so this is like, you would say not true to the source in reading her? Not true to the source. It's just that it's the Amazons, right? Like, they're bizarre and kind of racist and their culture makes no sense if you start to think about it and yeah, so yeah about her it just falls <laughs> apart and mm -hmm. so something they often do i feel like fanfic authors often did in in ranma is say like look these rules about the society is like oh yeah you have to marry any man who beats you and kill any woman who beats you and which is not really viable if you think about it right it's like those rules are not actually how most people right, do things. Right. And so someone is kind of often shown to be like, oh, you know, they're like a rule stickler, like trying to follow like these ancient traditions more than anybody else tries to do, you know, uh, yeah. kind of like Worf, like trying to be extra Klingon-y in Star Trek, right? Um, and I feel like sometimes it's like Shampoo presented oh, yeah. as being that person, and sometimes it's Cologne presented as being that person or, uh, or whatever. And this fanfic is like really, really heavy on Cologne being the driving force of like, you know people being shitty people. Right. Well, how this fanfic does it is essentially that, like, Cologne, yeah, is, like you said, a motto villainous, in a sense, like, she, or very literally, she's, like, basically been telling Shampoo this whole time, you have to marry Ranma, to the point where Shampoo has internalized that message, because she wants to, you know, do right by her people, and also by, by Cologne. And so Shampoo has essentially never developed her own idea of who she wants to be and what she really wants. Only this beholden idea to Cologne and, through extension, the Amazons that Cologne represents. But what this fanfic does is have her pursue that for a while and then realize that that's not who she wants to be, nor is Cologne representing who the Amazons should really be. And the conclusion of that is that, like, Cologne is eaten by Amazon ghosts. <laughs> or, I don't know, destroyed by Amazon ghosts. And Shampoo becomes the new leader of the Amazons because she represents well, the change that the Amazons should be 
beholden to, I suppose. The leader, because Cologne is, is in this fanfic presented as one matriarch out of multiple matriarchs. Oh, yes. It, the but new yeah, matriarch of the, yeah. But Shampoo does leave Japan behind. I, I like her attitude of, like, man, Japan was shitty, and I'm kind of glad to be going back to China. Because, like, she can't have been having the best time there. No. Um, and, but, but like, that, that she's going to go back and, like, become a leader in her culture, and, you know, Moose is going with her, and Moose was also yeah. kind of encouraging her to, like, hey, don't be, like, a shitty, evil, murdery person. That's not the Shampoo I want to see. If I can see anyone, because my sight is really, really bad. Ha, <laughs> that's the gag. Yes. <laughs> I think it more or less worked. This is kind of hard. I don't know. It, it's hard to read about the Amazons a lot of the time. Right. Right. Well, the fight was really strong because what Cologne did was use this ancient stone to summon all of these spirits of, of past Amazons. And yeah, at and that point, having like a box full of ancient magical, you know, Amazon artifacts just like sitting in the back of the restaurant is absolutely canon. Like that's that shit comes up all the time. Yeah, it, it worked. It was also very ominous, like all the ghosts of the Amazon surrounding everyone. But at that point, everyone's voices were translated into quote unquote Japanese, and this book is literally written in English. So that was like a one time where we heard uh, Shampoo's voice not being filtered through the strange way that apparently her not being very good at Japanese is like, okay, where does she come from in China? And do they not have pronouns there? Like um, Chinese has pronouns, right? <laughs> like Chinese uh, languages pronouns usually like i don't know for sure but i uh, i believe I so it's just that she the way she speaks is literally like shampoo says that ranma does that uh, kane said it's like there there are pronouns in, in most chinese dialects I, I don't know for sure but that's how she speaks in the anime too yeah. But that's also how the right. Chinese guide speaks in the anime when uh, showing Ginma and Rama around like the Jinsenko pools and to the Amazon village in general. The idea is, I guess, that Chinese people can't speak Japanese, and that's the joke. But Cologne and Moose are completely fluent, so I don't know. Right. The idea is that they're not as fluent in Japanese, but that results in them just not using pronouns, which I don't. I don't know. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. A lot of yeah. I mean, a lot of things about the Amazons in canon are not great. Uh, but I think fanfic authors are usually really good about giving shampoo opportunities to speak in fluent Chinese to other Chinese characters, uh, and just be like, "Yeah, her Japanese isn't good, but that doesn't mean that's like how she thinks or talks like normally." And and like usual, I kind of, I kind of like the author trying to peg that to an actual character moment, I feel like she mentions at some point, like, she never really made an effort to improve her Japanese because she doesn't really want to be there in Japan. She wants to go back home. Like, she's not interested in the culture, you know? She's not going out making Japanese friends and listening to uh, J-pop or whatever. To be fair, it sounds like her Japanese is pretty much perfect, except that she refuses to use pronouns. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. okay. Sorry, I know, I know. It's supposed to be like an analog. It's not supposed to be literal. It just, it feels funny, you know? One other thing I like about the fight here is, 
at one point where it's like Ranma, Shampoo, and Moose back to back fighting a bunch of like, you know, Amazon ancestors who have been summoned by the stone to like subdue them and or kill them, depending. Um, I, I like that in Ranma's mind, he's like, man, I could I could use like another, you know, f- few fighters as good as Ryoga right now, like to help me out. And, you know, later in the fight, he's like, actually, I probably need like another 50 Ryogas. I just like that in Ranma's mind, the unit of measurement of a good fighter is a Ryoga. Well, <laughs> Ryoga's not, not a slouch in uh, fighting, so makes sense. I like it. It's good. Yeah, I like it. I like that it's, you know, because they're, they're set up as rivals and kind of like the closest equivalents in terms of like, you know, DBZ power level in the series or whatever. So I think it's a cute way of kind of confirming, reemphasizing that sort of like friendly-ish rival relationship that they have sometimes. Mostly unfriendly, but whatever. Right. Uh, speaking of which, the last kind of main arc in this fanfic is the Ryoga one, of course. Of course. <laughs> it took him so long to get from the beginning to the end. He had to find yeah, it. Yeah, he got lost along the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's the joke I was going for and I failed, but thank you. No, no. I picked up on it. It was good. <laughs> good. Yes. Well, and fittingly, he does get lost along the way. I mean, so Ron was defeated all of the suitors, right? So now all we have left is Ryoga still having a crush on Akane. Yeah, and <laughs> the weird thing is this is end of the manga series, which means Ryoga has a second romantic interest. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, Lily. Right, what is her name? I've seen, I've seen like, posts about her. Yeah. But I can't remember her, her name. Her name's Akari. And she's presented as just being kind of like a sweet, normal, ordinary Japanese, you know, schoolgirl. Like, not quite Yamada Nadeshko level, but kind of like in that direction. And her family raises a, like, ranches sumo pigs, which is pigs who compete in sumo wrestling, with other pigs that compete in sumo wrestling. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Okay, because they never specify that in this story. It's weird how in this story, no one seems clear on what she does. Yes, like you're saying she's involved with pigs. Her family does something with pigs. It's like, you all know what she does. She raises sumo pigs. Like, that's from her introduction. Um, But I really thought that she might have, like, raised pigs to eat, and that's why they're all in the hush-hush. Because she does know that Ryoga turns into a pig. Anyway... Yeah, and, and the source of the humor in the manga is that, like, she she freaking loves pigs. And, like, you know, when she's gushing about how much she likes Ryoga, you know, there's a scene where she's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're you're so great. You're strong like a pig and kind like a pig and smart like a pig and reliable like a pig. And he just, you know, turns into, like, stone statue in horror like you do in the Ranma manga sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd also like to say the fact that the characters are not clear on what she does has got to be because this author must have been on the real edge of Rama one half knowledge because the fan translation project of the manga just started earlier in 1996 they did not know some of this stuff that he's referencing and a few details about you know reading information that was being passed along the internet or what the deep web yeah that's right the end of the tape distribution i think the first anime my sister and i found copies of online and it was like touched uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Rama has another romantic interest, which means basically it's kind of like, um, Ryoga, you have to stop stringing a car along. And also, it's not okay that you turn into a pig to sleep in 
in Akane's bed. Yeah, yeah, you know, they did a real, this author did a real responsible job of treating how messed up that was. Um, and still allowing Ryoga to, like, acknowledge it and make some form of atonement. Like, I felt like it was, I felt like it was good. Like, it's hard to describe because you want to see all of these characters have a redemption, but you don't want to see them let off the hook for all their, like, really messed up stuff. And I remember that was one of the things that turned me off of Ranma, too, was this whole, like, like it was the same thing with Hapasai, like, spying on girls. It was Ryoga turning into a pig to sleep with Akane. I was like, that's a violation of boundaries. Even though I'm 12, that's a violation of boundaries. I know that. And this fanfic author addresses it and allows it to, like, be aired out, I guess, which is really good. So yeah, Ryoga used to be, you know, one of my favorite Rama characters. Not that I can say I, like, identified with him or cared very, very deeply about his inner life. Um, but I do like Ryoga. And so I feel like he's he has a couple of decent chapters, and he also gets to realize the ways in which he was shitty. Yeah, I appreciate that, because, like, you know, you want to like Ryoga, except he's being exploitative. Like, he's pretending to be a small animal in order to sleep with a girl. Like, that's not okay. Or <laughs> that, you know, sleep, sleep next to, you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. No, it's not good. Oh. Here's the most out-of-character moment for Ryoga for me, though, in this fanfic. Okay. Which is that he, like, things do come to a head, and he, like, you know, abandons any, you know, emotional claim on Akane. He's like, yeah, I've just been, like, obsessive over her, and it's been unfair to Akari, because, like, I haven't been committing to her, even though I'm also kind of dating her. And he tells Akari this, and she gets angry at him. And then he gets to, like, understandably angry at him. And then he gets to, like, go and, like, talk to her about his feelings and kind of, like, reaffirm that he wants to try to be with her. And yeah, the he also does a good job. Oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, you know, you say what that. I was just gonna say that he also does a good job, like apologizing to Akani, Akani, Akane, <laughs> recognizing what he did to her was wrong. And it's so, that I respect that. Look, the author is already straining my disbelief in letting Ranma talk about his feelings, like in any kind right. of you know comprehensible way. If you're telling me that Ryoga can articulate his feelings, I you know. I don't know if I'm there for that. I think that was the author's goal, though, was to make these people <laughs> less shitty. Like, to make them... Because, like we mentioned before, it's a tonal shift. It's not a gag anymore. And admittedly, some elements of the gag initially already fell flat because they were based in, you know, I guess, sexual assault, really. Um, or at least some form of manipulation. Um but the author is trying to allow those characters to redeem themselves by having that self-recognition, right? Well, I was mostly joking. I just mean, it's just that Ryoga is a very, not very articulate character about his emotional inner life. That's about it. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> Ryoga is uh, the epitome of no thoughts, empty head. <laughs> He's got lots of feelings. Yes, but I don't think he could ever articulate them past his fists. <laughs> so. Uh, anyway. Mm. Oh, that's Spring of Drowned Manwater, by the way. It ends up going to Genma. Um, and it's, it's kind of part of this ongoing redemption thing for Genma about like actually trying to be 
you know, a human being and not evade his responsibilities and try to make his marriage work. Yeah, which, if I interpret correctly, so at some point, when Rama was like a baby, basically, yeah, uh, like six, I don't know. His mom was like to Genma, like, go take him and make him a man. Yeah, I don't, I forget whose idea it was the like big training trip, but she was also like, make him a man among men, or like, else, uh, kill yourself for, for, failing right being dishonored or whatever and that's from the source correct yeah that's canon yeah yeah okay well the author was trying to rectify that and, and they did some i don't know they did some interesting stuff with it like they but it, it ultimately kept coming back to that idea and part of that idea which i think is probably from the source too was that uh, they they talked about some, I think, referencing the source. Like, uh, Ranma at one point was changed back into his uh, non-cursed form while wearing a schoolgirl uniform. And that was a point at which his mother was like, oh, you're not manly. So, like, for some reason, every time he kisses a girl makes him more manly, which is... Yeah, no, just hetero to the max, I guess. I don't even want to remember what was actually going on with Nodoka and her views. In yeah, <laughs> it all seems just really bad. <laughs> the author does what he can. Mm, sort of, but he plays into it a lot. Like, uh, you know, in the terms yeah. of, like, later on, um, uh, I guess maybe we should talk about Akane and Ranma. They're they're getting engaged after this, so maybe we should talk about that before we talk about the other spectrum. But yeah, well, they basically decided to be engaged, but like Notoka leads up another plan to force them to marry. It's like we got to get these kids married because for some reason I care very very deeply about these people getting married as teenagers, like everybody in this series does. Um, because otherwise, Ranma wouldn't be a man. Okay. If he didn't marry a woman, he wouldn't be a man, right? Like that's. I mean, I as a know. man who married a woman, I can confirm that is the only possible way to be a man. Ah, well, now that I know that, <laughs> I will avoid. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> avoid accidentally doing that. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway. The point is, like, Genma comes to Ranma and he's like, uh, yeah, look, they're gonna try to force you to get married again, like, in secret. You know, like, plan it all and then force you into a tuxedo or whatever. But that's dishonorable, so I'm gonna tell you a heads up that, that that's coming. And then Ranma kind of goes and talks with Akane and, like, actually, he really does want to get married, like, right now. Like, right here, right now. And I guess it's presented as kind of, like, both that he's been bottling up his, his feelings for Akane for so long, but also it kind of feels like he kind of wants to get this settled after every all the shit that's gone on in his life, which I can kind of see. Um, and in the end, they like do decide to do that, which doesn't seem like a great idea, but it happens. And that's kind of like how the fanfic closes out plot-wise. Yeah, they're like 17, right? Yeah. 16. Yeah. It's not, not great. <laughs> And there's a few other little plot things going on, but I think we hit the most of them. 
it it comes out and says that like this fanfic comes out and says that like oh yeah you can't get uncursed from a Jusenkyo curse until the curse itself is done with you and it has some you know reason that you are cursed or whatever and so actually like moose and shampoo end up getting cured earlier too by the amazon ancestors and genma gets oh, cured right. and i think that's by the that's water everyone. yeah 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 Ron but Ron still stuck water. with his well that was his decision he said the curse isn't done with me yet i'm going to let it be done with me when it is um yeah it's kind of strange it's like he and akane do get married and it's supposed to be celebratory. And, and I think that it is, like, as well as this author, this author is built it up. However, I'm not sure if they've made it a very strong case for Ranma and Akane getting married at this young age. It really did not need to happen right now, no. Except that that's... No so part of the Ranma paradigm, right? It's like when you're reading Shakespeare, it's like the comedy ends with the wedding. You got to get like, you know, everybody's just so concerned with marriage that it's like, you kind of have to deal, I guess the author wanted to deal with the series on its own terms in that sense. Hmm. Yep. And that's how I saw it anyway. I didn't finish it, so I believe your read is pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I can just say anything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But from the way you're describing it, from the way that you both have been describing it, it feels like the author in general felt that the canonical quote-unquote ending was just not satisfying enough, and they really needed to have the resolution where Rama and Akane actually do get married because it's what they felt should have happened. Yeah, it's what she fainted towards at the end of the manga. Yes. For sure. I think that's true. And I think that tonally, what's interesting is like, we talked about this. It's not comedy. This whole read is not comedy, even though Ranma is comedy. Right. So we had to deal with the emotions of these characters, which is unusual. However, we still come to a resolution that I think is like, yeah, a, a little bit superficial in the same way the comedy would have been, which is Ranma and Akane get married at. 17 i think they specifically say they're about 17 um because somehow they've dealt with the feelings they need to deal with to do that and i see how someone looking at run mode want that to happen i'm just not sure if i buy this whole narrative as <laughs> working towards that right like there right. are ways in which i do and ways in which i don't i suppose what do you mean? I feel like the it actually ending in a wedding was not necessary for like what the fanfic was trying to do, and no, you know, then that's okay. Like I don't have to agree with with everything in here either. But I, but yeah, I also think I understand why the author did it, and that's just kind of because that's what Ranma is about. It's about people getting engaged to be married, and so ending it with people getting married kind of makes a thematic sense. Well, and also, it was to address the emotional stories of the characters. Um, probably more Ranma than Akane. Weirdly enough, the emotional stories of the characters address. Akane, to me, felt the least present. Like, not that she wasn't present. Her story was there. Her journey was there. 
But like, it was more about Ranma's journey to accepting getting married at this young age, I think, than it was about hers. Oh. It's sort of strange, but it was also about like every other character that Ranma fought accepting their position and what they needed to do with their life, such as Shampoo becoming the new matriarch for the Amazons or Yukio focusing on her restaurant. Or I don't know what it was for Kodachi because I don't know, <laughs> she seemed a little bit uh, more in a bad place than the others. But there was also narratives about the other characters. Um, Akane's sisters both find love. Um, what's her oldest sister's name? Katsumi? Katsumi. Katsumi. Yeah, she falls in love with the doctor, Tofu. They get together and get married. I don't know why. That makes me happy. <laughs> they at least um, seem sweet together. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's hard to care deeply about Katsumi or Tofu f- for me because they're both pretty boring. But that's, that's okay. In this, I, I don't know them from the source very well, but in this fanfic, they seem very sweet and cute, and I really appreciated their story. They're both sweet and cute, that's true. We finished talking about the plot of the fanfic, and we're going to finish up really soon with like our least favorite and favorite things about the fanfic. But before that, Lily, I feel bad that you haven't had as much of a chance to talk, because most of the fanfic has been material you haven't read. So I just want to hear you talk about Ranma a little bit now. Like, oh, okay. tell me a hot take that you have, like an opinion you have about a character in Ranma from like your rewatch so far or something. My rewatch so far? Um, I think I think I already said it, but Akane gets the short end of the stick the most time. I feel like Akane can almost do no wrong. Now, there, now I did have to walk back <laughs> on that statement a little bit with the latest episode we watched where... She gets irrationally angry at Rama for shampoo's whole situation. Um, but once again, if these characters would just sit down and talk to each other, <laughs> they wouldn't, we wouldn't have these problems. Um, so I guess that's mostly my, I guess that's my big hot take. And that, while I don't think that Ryoga is, in any way in the realm of as bad as Kuno as a character, the fact that there are a lot of people in the Rama fandom that call him the best boy, that doesn't sit <laughs> right with me. I don't like that. Because we, because the uh, whole, you know, I'm a pig so I can sleep, you know, in Akane's bed, that's just weird. That's not good. I don't like that. It's not just weird. It's like, Huge violation. It's really yeah. bad. Is he just the best boy by process of elimination because everybody else is worse? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Ranma might be better. To be honest, like, Ranma, of course, is, again, I don't know if I was much familiar with the series. Ranma says a lot of shitty things. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's really <laughs> mean. But, like, mm. he doesn't do stuff like that. He doesn't pretend to be a pig in order to, like, sleep with someone in their bed, which is, like, manipulation and borderline, like, I don't know if I'd call it assault, but it's, like, it's something, right? You know, it's something along those lines. Like, right. imagine if someone was sleeping in your bed with you and you didn't know they were there. Like, that's, uh, it's a big thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's why uh, 
that's why uh, the people who call Ryoga the best boy, um, I feel they're wrong. And anybody is free to quote me on that. Lily, thank you. I put you on the spot. And you very much satisfied me with some Ranma hot takes. Oh, you are welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did you want to add there? Um, I believe we even one time got a question from somebody that I forgot to uh, put on air that referenced him being the best boy. Um, and I just completely forgot about it because we got it like a week before we recorded. So, sorry to that person. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought like, I don't know, since we're here and we're talking about it and this fanfic does deal with it in some sense, like this fanfic treats gender basically the same way the show does, which is like, it's just, a, it's essentialist, Right. But, like, they didn't have the context to see it otherwise, so I accept it. Well, but, you're referring to the pronouns for Ranma being female when he's cursed, right? Not necessarily, and, no. Not just that. Anyway, sorry, what else were you going to say, Amato? I was just going to say, I mean, I think that's definitely in line with how the show does it, the pronoun thing. But we have yeah. also read at least one other Ranma fanfic that was very good about just, you know, Acknowledging that he's a guy no matter what his body is. And that might have been Autumn and Spring. I think that was like consistent pronouns. Is that right? That was like the future one with like right. you know, old Ukyo and stuff. Uh, well, that's, yeah. And that's, that's essentially what this fanfic does too, though. It's a little weird because they actually make a very big deal out of Ranma being like, I'm a guy no matter what happens to my body, but then using she, her pronouns for Ranma whenever Ranma transforms into their cursed state. It's, it's whatever, right? But actually, what I find a little bit troublesome in works like this, and I understand that it's strictly because the cultural context wasn't there, and it probably wasn't being written by a person who understood a trans narrative in any way, Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Other than that, though, beside that, it's the fact that Ranma's attachment to retaining the body that Ranma perceives as male is really strong. Like, for some reason, the body that that has breasts is just, it's totally unacceptable. It's like, I have to get rid of this. This is the worst. I can't live with this. And it's a very interesting narrative from that perspective because it's like, for some of us, yeah, as trans people, we look at our bodies and we go, like, this is the worst. If I could change it, that would be great. And so you can see that as a trans narrative. But at the same time, like for me, how I've viewed my body has come from the perspective of being like, yeah, no, like my gender is whatever I want it to be. My body's whatever I want it to be, but they're not the same. And no one can make me think they're the same. So this narrative of Ranma being like, I'm a man and I have to get rid of this version of me with breasts is complicated. It's like, you know, like I can't be a man if I have breasts. And I don't think that's a narrative that we want to be seeing. It, yes, it's an antiquated work. It's older. It doesn't get it. Right. It's the 1996 mm-hmm. internet here. I, I don't feel like right. I can be, you know, too harsh on the author for taking his cues from the source, which of is course. also pretty 
pretty complicated in that way, or maybe not complicated enough. Yeah, it's exactly from the source. It's just something I feel like it's important to talk about because as trans people in a modern age, we often choose to change our bodies for mm -hmm. the reason of conforming to, I don't know, I guess how we want to feel and how we want to feel might be in line with the normative expectation of how gender should present in the body. However, with Ranma, we're getting a narrative in which the character is a cis person whose body has been altered beyond their perception. So I think a lot of people will identify as with like, oh, girl Ranma is the idealized version of being a body who changed from quote unquote male to female you know, as a trans woman, I would want that. Versus, I think in this narrative, what we see is more the narrative of a trans man who's saying, like, this body changed in a way that I didn't want it to, postpubescently, growing mm. breasts, and I didn't want that. I would rather have what is the masculine ideal. However, I think there's a third alternative, which is to say that, like, gender is not located in those physical aspects of the body. And I think that... I don't know, I think it's an important thing to talk about when it comes down to issues of these sorts of narratives, because I think that's what they're talking about essentially, even if they didn't realize they were doing it. Yeah. And I also kind of take your point, or I don't know if this is exactly your point, but it's like, I, 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 you can't totally excuse, it's just like how the source material was treating it. Once you start trying to take the Ranma setting a little bit more seriously, and the characters more seriously, like then you actually, you know, kind of, then these issues are, are things like they're, they're deals that like you have to choose how you're addressing them. And you know, I can see you not totally comfortable with how the author chose to address them. I think we, that should lead into things that we did not like or thought could we could be better done about the fanfic before we end on praise. Tori, does that does that kind of essentialist gender perspective can continuity does that count as like what you didn't like or is there something else that you want to say uh, it's something i wanted to say just because <laughs> i feel like it was just a part probably of where the author was with their narrative at the time like i have a hard time criticizing them for it well let's give you a chance if there's anything else you want to to say we can come back around to you uh but lily what can you articulate what bothered you about the fanfic? It's that was think, it mostly right? Sorry. I think no, it's fine. I think it's what you were talking about before, how they were taking this this gag anime because it, it it is at its core, you know, trying to be just a funny com comedy anime. Um, and they were trying to impose like this very serious. Uh, worldview. And I'm not saying that I haven't done that or anything like that, but it just, it felt like it felt like a weird sine wave that I was sort of like traveling on, if that makes sense. Because I'm trying to like, because I'm thinking of the anime from the perspective of the anime while I'm reading it, and I'm like, this just like this doesn't track to me. Also, like the near, <laughs> like the comic, the I'm sorry, the comic, the uh, fanfic is written in the perspective of like the of 
the third person or the second person, somebody looking in, and the author using the words pop and mother for uh, Ginma and Rama's mother, whose name I just totally spaced on the second. Um, that bugged me for some reason. I was like, just call them by their names. You know what they are. Just do that. We're not Ranma. I understand why Rama's calling them by these by these names, but I don't understand why I have to read it that way. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like the smallest like little nitpick, I suppose. But it did like make it a little more difficult to read. It's interesting. I feel like we're encountering kind of a vast cultural gap between the mid-90s anime internet fans and like us in the modern day, which is something that's going to happen. Just in, like, I feel like the, the fandom back then was very used to thinking about the characters in a certain way and switching back and forth between canon and like, you know, fanfic exploring them in like semi-serious ways and kind of ignoring some things and focusing on other things. And I don't know. It, it, it's been a while since I engaged with that culture specifically, so I'm not sure what I want to call out specifically there. But I, I can see why it's like it would be off-putting to you as a reader in the cold, harsh light of 2021. Mm. I might not have picked up on, on some of those specific nitpicks. Sorry, we've been commenting right there. It's okay. <laughs> Um, for me, I think here's what I'd like to praise about the story is that I'm kind of thinking about Darkness and Light, right, Tori? Which is a similar post-series fanfic that tried to resolve things that, you know, we, you can find as a special episode, like in between episode seven and eight on our feed. It was kind yeah. of a test run we did. And totally it, also, similar, yeah. it also was like a dramatic trying to like, uh, conclude or wrap up some things or take characters seriously sort of thing but in that fanfic the author had like such favorites and it was like oh ranma's great and ukiyo's great and akane's terrible and genma is like flat out evil and you know all that kind of stuff and, and shampoo is pretty cool and like it came through so heavily kind of like who the author liked and like was willing to justify the actions of and who they hated and was willing to like bring the hammer down on and i feel like in this fanfic the author kind of tries to extend a general benevolence across pretty much the entire cast, where it's like, I mean, you know, Cologne's a villain, and Kodachi's pretty messed up, but it's like, it kind of seems like they like Ranma as a series, and they like the whole cast, and they're kind of like trying to do, do right by all of them in mm -hmm. a certain way. And I thought that was like, kind of a nice thing about the story as a post-series wrap-up sort of thing. No, I mean... I I appreciate this fanfic in general for doing that. Um, like, <laughs> I know my uh, my struggle to explain gender in this was really just a struggle to explain gender in Ranma. Um, and I think, tonally, they stuck to the same motif. What is really strong is the fact that for these gag characters, they created redemption arcs. But in order to do that, they had to dive deep into what gave them fear, what gave them trauma, what made them act badly in the first place, and allow them to resolve that, and then to approach other characters and apologize for it. And I feel like that's such effort, right, on the author's part, to say, like, these characters who are essentially, like, 
don't have that many dimensions to start with. Yeah, I don't know if you can say the author. I don't know if you can say the author dived deep into the characters, but deeper anyway. Because, you know, originally the characters are pretty much puddles. Well, yeah, but th- that is, though. It is a deep dive for that, right? Yeah, yeah, for give them, everyone for the Absolutely. A reason how they were, and then, and it, uh, like, an avenue to apologize and reform. Like, for every character. There's a lot of characters that they did that for. It's like that was, like, a show of effort, you know? And I think given that approach and those goals... I also want to applaud the author for the decision just to leave Hopposai totally off stage and not even try. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I haven't gotten to him yet in the anime, but I, I know. Yeah. Well, oh, thank yeah. you. And I mean, it's one of those things in the series where it's like, everyone in the series hates him too, and they, know, they all know he's the worst. But it's just like, it's, it's a comedy series, and like, no no real comeuppance that lasts is ever going to come to Hapo-Sai or whatever. Right. And Lily, what do you want to praise about the fanfic on the way out? I think... Not to just uh, mirror or uh, repeat what was already said, but I do like that it attempted, and and from what I've gathered from listening and, and participating as much as I can, um, I, I do like the fact that it attempted and succeeded in some way to give the characters more depth and to try to flesh them out in ways that the source material didn't. I, I do appreciate that. Like, that's, that's not an easy thing. I attempted to do the same thing with the Hunger Games when I was younger, and it did not go well. So, you know, I at least have to, like, you know, give credit where credit's due there. And also, just no Hapasai. That's really great. And also explaining why Ginma is a panda all the time, because we constantly are like, he's just a panda now. Why is he just a panda? Was his voice actor expensive? Like, <laughs> Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> that would have been really clever just, if that's the case. It was a really good explanation, though. I was yes. like, I choose to be a panda because I don't want to engage with shit. Which actually... <laughs> In a recent, like, at a, not recent, but a Harry Potter fanfic we read was the explanation for Sirius turning into a dog. Was like, I don't want to engage with shit, so I'm going to be a dog now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's a, it makes sense, right? Like, no. why wouldn't you just, like, be like, I can't talk now, don't talk to me. <laughs> I can't talk now, I am dog. Exactly. That's <laughs> literally something I've said in my real life, so. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, it was praised in 1996. We seem to have mixed feelings about it now in 2021. But I can I can definitely kind of see why it was a striking story. Um, looking at the other kind of early fanfic awards, I don't see any other stories that tried in this kind of scope to sort of like address the cast seriously in this kind of way. Um, and so I, I, I think there were lots of other stories maybe later on. And Ooh. so it was interesting to read and go back to. That having been said, if we read another Ron One Half fanfic in the future, it's not going to be a drama. Let's make it <laughs> like Lovecraftian horror or something. There's a good, good <laughs> series like that. Like, 
to me, it sort of seems like they're all drama, even though like it feels like they shouldn't be, but... <laughs> all right. I think that brings us to the end, then. That was episode 105 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Thy Inward Love, by Richard Lawson. And I'll provide a link where you can find that on the show notes. Lily, thank you again for coming on. Can you tell us once more where we can find you online? Thank you for having me. You can find me online, as always, at that Fire Princess, spelled D-A-T, on Twitter. You can find me on my numerous podcasts, but most importantly, for this podcast, you can find me on One Half Podcast, where me and World Eater Viv are re-watching every episode of Rama One Half as timely as we can, the current situation of the current year, and just other, you know, real-life issues. But we, we are enjoying it and giving our perspective as we get through each episode. Your most recent episode was the shampoo introduction, so I'm sure there were lots of things that you had to say. Oh, yes. I do like <laughs> shampoo. I think she's great. Crazy I mean, great. Chinese Amazon with purple hair. Sort of looks like Sailor Moon. I'm in. I do love Sailor Moon, so maybe that's it. Really, though? (laughs) (laughs) The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, uh, send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com, and we've also got an Instagram at RetroFanfic. Leaving comments, reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use would be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. Hey. We are just three Earth life forms trying to put aside our weird comedic obsessions and become better people. Until next time, take care.